At work one day in 2019, I listened to a musician for the first time. I was intrigued by the fact of knowing his name for years but never having heard him. Immediately, I was captivated by his sound and was hooked by the end of the day. We will be exploring the life and music of Fela Kuti on this episode of Eclectic Obsessions. Hello, my name is Michael and I obsess. I come across something that grabs me and I consume until I can't take anymore and then I'm on to the next. Some obsessions last a week, others a lifetime. It is my intention to explore these obsessions with you as they occur while the passion is hot. Welcome to Eclectic Obsessions. Fela Anakulapo Kuti, also professionally known as Fela Kuti or simply Fela, was a Nigerian multi-instrumentalist, musician, composer, pioneer of the Afrobeat music genre, and human rights activist. At the height of his popularity, he was referred to as one of Africa's most challenging and charismatic music performers. Fela was born on October 15, 1938, in Abe Okuta the modern-day capital of Ogun State in the Federal Republic of Nigeria, then a city in the British colony of Nigeria, into an upper-middle-class family. His mother, Chief Funmulayo Ransom Kuti, was a feminist activist in the anti-colonial movement. His father, Reverend Israel Oludotin Ransom Kuti, an Anglican minister and school principal, was the first president of the Nigeria Union of Teachers. Fela attended Abeokuta Grammar School. Later, he was sent to London in 1958 to study medicine, but decided to study music instead at the Trinity College of Music, with the trumpet being his preferred instrument. While there, he formed the band Kula Lobitos, playing a fusion of jazz and highlight. In 1960, Fela married his first wife, Remilekun Remy Taylor, with whom he would have three children, Femi, Yeni, and Sola. In 1963, Fela moved back to the newly independent Federation of Nigeria, reformed Kula Lobitos, and trained as a radio producer for the Nigerian Broadcasting Corporation. He played for some time with Victor Olea and his All-Stars. In 1967, Fela went to Ghana to 
think up a new musical direction. That was when Cootie first conceived of Afrobeat, a combination of highlife, funk, jazz, salsa, calypso, and traditional Nigerian Yoruba music. In 1969, Fela took the band to the United States, where they spent 10 months in Los Angeles. While there, Fela discovered the Black Power Movement, a partisan of the Black Panther Party. The experience would heavily influence his music and political views. He renamed the band Nigeria 70. Soon afterwards, the Immigration and Naturalization Service was tipped off by a promoter that Fela and his band were in the U.S. without work permits. The band performed a quick recording session in Los Angeles that would later be released as the 69 Los Angeles Sessions. Look, Fela wasn't that before we, before we went to the States. You know, everything came out, came late, came after we arrived from the States. After passing through Sandra with all this uh, Black Panther business, you know, awareness of the black man, Pan-Africanism. But okay, so after that, we arrived back home, then it started to become a political singer now, you know. Well, he has a, he has a, well, he has a weapon. The weapon is the music to use, you know. His messages yeah. were able to be transmitted properly to his music. And then I was, I was there. I wasn't the one. I wasn't the one preaching. He was the one preaching. He knows why, you know. He's, he's politically inclined, so he wanted to add that to his music. That was fella. After Fela and his band returned to Nigeria, lyrical themes changed from love to social issues. He formed the Kalakuta Republic, a commune, recording studio, and home for the many people connected to the band that he later declared independent from the Nigerian state. According to Lindsay Barrett, the name Kalakuta derived from the infamous Black Hole of Calcutta dungeon in India. Fela set up a nightclub in the Empire Hotel, first named the Afro Spot and later the Africa Shrine, where he both performed regularly and officiated at personalized Yoruba traditional ceremonies in honor of his nation's ancestral faith. He also changed his name to Anakulapo, meaning he who carries death in his pouch, with the interpretation, I will be the master of my own destiny and will decide when it is time for death to take me. He stopped using the hyphenated surname Ransom because it was a slave name. Fela's music was gaining popularity among the Nigerian public and Africans in general. In fact, he made the decision to sing in pidgin English so that his music could be enjoyed by individuals all over Africa, where the local languages spoken are very diverse and numerous. As popular as Fela's music had become in Nigeria and elsewhere, it was also very unpopular with the ruling government, and raids on the Kalakuta Republic were frequent. Around this time, Kuti became even more involved in the Yoruba religion. See, the way I started to write my music, it's like I was born a colonial boy. I went to colonial school. I went to England to study music. Then something changed me completely to see that I was not playing African music. By the time I started, started to work as a profession, as a professional, so I had to take, I had to take myself back 
my culture, started to read, find books to read, started to listen to a lot of traditional African music, tried to know the real history of African music. This is my music. Cootie's musical innovation, Afrobeat, is characterized by a fairly large band with many instruments, vocals, and a musical structure featuring jazzy, funky horn sections. A riff-based endless groove is used, in which a bass rhythm of drums, shakare, muted West African-style guitar, and melodic bass guitar riffs are repeated throughout the song. Commonly, interlocking melodic riffs and rhythms are introduced one by one, building the groove bit by bit and layer by layer. The horn section then becomes prominent, introducing other riffs and main melodic themes. Fela's band was notable for featuring multiple musicians on the same type of instrument. This is a common technique in African and African-influenced musical styles and can be seen in both funk and hip-hop. His bands even performed with two bassists at the same time, both playing interlocking melodies and rhythms. There were always two or more guitarists. The electric West African-style guitar and Afrobeat bands are paramount, but are used to give basic structure, playing a repeating chordal melodic statement, riff, or groove. I wanted to know what music like that would sound like. It sounded revolutionary to me. It, it changed my whole feeling about what music could be and for the 40 years since then <laughs> I've been forcing people to listen to this record and the 40 odd other albums by Fella. This is the music of the future. Funny thing is it's still the music of the future I think. It sounds still revolutionary to me, still surprising and not like anything else that we've done. Um, Fellow was a, a, a real force for musical change and for social change. I love the density of the weave between the players. I love the relationship of discipline and freedom that is shown in this. It's, it's not jamming uh, in the sort of do-whatever-you-like sense, um, but it's not constrained parts in the orchestral sense either. So it's a conversation between players and you can, hear, you can hear things bouncing off between the players. And more than anything else, you can hear the sheer excitement of these performances. Some elements often present in Phalo's music are the call and response within the chorus and figurative but simple lyrics. His songs were also very long, at least 10 to 15 minutes in length, and many reached up to 45 minutes when performed live. This was one of many reasons that his music never reached a substantial degree of popularity outside Africa. His records frequently had one 30-minute track per side. Typically, there is an instrumental introduction jam, perhaps 10 to 15 minutes long, before Fela starts singing the main part of the song, which then continues for another 10 to 15 minutes. Therefore, on some recordings, one may see his songs divided into two parts, part one being instrumental and part two involving both music and singing. His main instruments were the saxophone and the keyboards, but he also played the trumpet, electric guitar, and took the occasional drum solo. 
Phelan refused to perform songs again after he had already recorded them, which also hindered his popularity outside Africa. Phelan was known for his showmanship, and his concerts were often quite outlandish and wild. He referred to his stage act as the underground spiritual game. Performance was a representation of what was relevant at the time and his other inspirations. He thought that art, and thus his own music, should have political meaning. Because my music is not for me to want to project myself as such. I do project myself because I do play the music. But what I really want to project is the happenings in the African continent itself. So I've never thought about wanting one to write an African music or make a history out of it. No. My main preoccupation right now is what is making Africans retrogress. But music is a small part of it, but at the same time, I consider music to be effective, like a weapon to inform people. You see, it's a weapon to say, and it's a weapon to introduce me so I can talk when I have the chance to, like I'm doing now. If I don't play my music now, I won't be sitting here today to talk about the problems of Africa. My music is like an attraction to inform people. As Fela's musical career developed, so too did his influence throughout the world. In turn, the religious aspect of his musical approach grew. Fela was a part of an Afrocentric consciousness movement that was founded on and delivered through his music. In an interview found in the Hank Bordowitz analysis Noise of the World, Fela stated, Music is supposed to have an effect. If you're playing music and people don't feel something, you're not connecting. That's what African music is about. When you hear something, you must move. I want to move people to dance, but also to think. Music wants to dictate a better life against a bad life. Fela's music and strong sense of sharing humanist and activist ideas grew from the environment he was in. In interview footage found in Faces of Africa on CGTN Africa, he spoke of a comparison between English love songs and his own music. Yes, if you are in England, the music can be an instrument of enjoyment. You can sing about love. You can sing about whom you are going to bed with next. But in my own environment, my society is underdeveloped because of an alien system on our people. So there is no music enjoyment. There is nothing like love. There is something like struggle for people's existence. Fela felt strongly, you know, he was ready, you know, to, to, to fight. He said, nothing can stop him, not even guns. And he meant it, you know, he, he was that kind of character, very bold. Okay, we call it DA song, that's direct attack. So he would say, I, I, when he's composing, I feel like, is this going to be a DA? He said, yes, this one, a DA, a direct attack. <laughs> you understand? So Zombie is one of them. That used to represent that he's bold, you know, right in, in, in their faces. In 1977, Fela and the Africa 70 released the album Zombie, a scathing attack on Nigerian soldiers using the zombie metaphor to describe the methods of the Nigerian military. 
The album was a smash hit and infuriated the government, setting off a vicious attack against the Kalakuta Republic, during which soldiers attacked the commune. Fela was severely beaten and his elderly mother, whose house was located opposite the commune, was thrown from a window, causing fatal injuries. The compound was burned and Fela's studio instruments and master tapes were destroyed. Fela claimed that he would have been killed had it not been for the intervention of a commanding officer as he was being beaten. Fela's response to the attack was to deliver his mother's coffin to the Doden barracks in Lagos, General Olusegun Obasanjo's residence, and to write two songs, Coffin for Head of State and Unknown Soldier, referencing the official inquiry that claimed the commune had been destroyed by an unknown soldier. When you start learning about Fela, you know, he, he becoming a, he's like the James Brown, the Bob Marley of Africa, because it really felt like the, the soul of black folk. But that first opening cry that he lets out, feel like the, the pain and soul of black folk. And I feel like he accomplished that musically. I like the message. I like the, the musicality of it. You know, um, Fela was basically telling you real stories about the police, about Nigeria, about his mom, about politics. And he was, he was bringing them in a way that was entertaining. And for me, that's hugely inspirational. How do you speak to people about what they're going through? How do you make message music? How do you make music that is not empty? And music that that is a part of the community, but it still be hugely entertaining. And I think Fela Kuti captures that. In the 1970s, Kuti began to run outspoken political columns in the advertising space of daily and weekly newspapers such as the Daily Times and The Punch, bypassing editorial censorship in Nigeria's predominantly state-controlled media. He addressed a number of topics, from explosive denunciations of the Nigerian government's criminal behavior, Islam and Christianity's exploitative nature, and evil multinational corporations to deconstructions of Western medicine, black Muslims, sex, pollution, and poverty. The column was cancelled, with many speculating that the paper's editors were increasingly pressured to stop publication, including by threats of violence. Fela and his band took up residence in Crossroads Hotel, as the shrine had been destroyed along with its commune. In 1978, he married 27 women, many of whom were his dancers and singers. The marriage served not only to mark the anniversary of the attack on Calicuta Republic, but also to protect Fela and his wives from false claims from authorities that Fela was kidnapping the women. Later, he adopted a rotation system of keeping 12 simultaneous wives. The year was also marked by two notorious concerts, the first in Accra in which riots broke out during the song Zombie, which led to Fela being banned from entering Ghana. The second was at the Berlin Jazz Festival, after which most of Fela's musicians deserted him due to rumors that Fela was planning to use the entire proceeds to fund his presidential campaign. Suffering and Smiling, one of my favorites. But if someone asks me what I think is great about him, in that song you see on full display his sense of humor, his irate relationship to power, and his love for his people, all within one song. He's a great genius. In this song you can hear his poetry, his imagery describing the streets, you can practically smell 
This is the mark of a really superior artist. Despite the massive setbacks, Fela was determined to come back. He formed his own political party, which he called Movement of the People, in order to clean up society like a mop. In 1979, he put himself forward for president in Nigeria's first elections for more than a decade, but his candidature was refused. At this time, Fela created a new band called Egypt 80, reflecting the idea that Egyptian civilization, knowledge, philosophy, mathematics, and religious systems are African and must be claimed as such. As Fela stated in an interview, stressing the point that I have to make Africans aware of the fact that Egyptian civilization belongs to the African. So that was the reason I changed the name of my band to Egypt 80. In 1984, Muhammadu Buhari's government, of which Kuti was a vocal opponent, jailed him on a charge of currency smuggling, which Amnesty International and others denounced as politically motivated. Amnesty designated him a prisoner of conscience, and his case was also taken up by other human rights groups. I was in prison simply because of when I talk about Africa. You see, the, the African leaders we have all over Africa today are very preoccupied with their own personal development, personal richness, you know. They are committing crimes against the African people. I said that they are putting us into bondage, they are making us slaves, they follow white man's footsteps too much, they don't want to improve Africa as Africa should be improved. They, they are not authentic, and they are corrupt. After 20 months, he was released from prison by General Ibrahim Babangida. On his release, he divorced his 12 remaining wives, saying that marriage brings jealousy and selfishness. Once again, Fela continued to release albums with Egypt 80, made a number of successful tours of the United States and Europe, and also continued to be politically active. In 1986, Fela performed in Giants Stadium in New Jersey as part of the Amnesty International A Conspiracy of Hope concert, sharing the bill with Bono, Carlos Santana, and the Neville Brothers. To me, it's two things at the same time that there isn't too many artists in the history that have been able, in modern history anyway, that have been able to be both incredibly, you know, talented and grooving and in a unique musical space, but also be so political and have such a big heart for people and for social revolution and the concept of, you know, the two of them working together, it being able to be education as well as being music, it be celebration as well as being challenging, you know, it's the, the marriage of those two things is what you know, think, to me puts him on a different level to many other artists. There's certainly going to be, to me anyway, it looks like you know, we're heading towards a time where he goes up into the place where he deserves to be with the all-time greats. You know, you kind of feel that there's a sense of, you know, he was, you know, he was the black president, he was Africa's superstar, but it's starting to feel like actually he was the world superstar and, you know, it was the whole invention of the, of the sound, you know, it was fusing you know, rhythm and jazz, it was politics, it was visceral, you know, and it was vital to a time period then and still as challenging, you know, politically and lyrically now. Fela's album output slowed in the 1990s and eventually he stopped releasing albums altogether. 
1993, he and four members of the Africa 70 organization were arrested for murder. The battle against military corruption in Nigeria was taking its toll, and rumors were spreading that he was suffering from an illness for which he was refusing treatment. On August 3, 1997, Olakoye Ransom Kudi, already a prominent AIDS activist and former Minister of Health, announced his younger brother's death a day earlier from complications related to AIDS. However, much skepticism surrounds this alleged cause of death and the sources that have popularized this claim. More than one million people attended Fela's funeral at the site of the old shrine compound. The new Africa shrine has opened since Fela's death in a different section of Lagos under the supervision of his son Femi. Kuti is remembered as an influential icon who was brave enough to boldly voice his opinions on matters that affected the nation through his music. An annual festival, Celebration, is held each year to celebrate his life and legacy. Well, for me, he definitely is a hero. Yes, a man who's a genius and has his madness. I, do, I usually say that in every genius there's a madness. Because for you to be able to stay so true to yourself, you do have to a point where you just don't care about what anybody else has to say. And you do you. I love fella. I love everything he stood for because as a youth growing up with my cousins in Nigeria, Lagos, you know, I heard all the stories. I never got to see him then, but my cousins would come back the next day after spending the night at the shrine. They talked about the music, the dance. Oh my goodness me. Just just hearing it in my head again how they talked about the way the women dance and how many there was on stage and when you're a kid growing up like that and you hear those kind of stories, it's kinda of like a fairy tale, like it's like something you don't believe is true, but you want to believe it, and it actually turns out to be bigger than true, it's real. Because as things got worse in terms of the politics, and he got more politic, you know, like his lyrics really were hitting hard, and you know, his fight with the politicians and the army, and you read it in the paper, you realize, my God, this is not just a musician. This is a fighter, this is a warrior. Since his death in 1997, there has been a revival of his influence in music and popular culture, culminating in another re-release of his catalog controlled by Universal Music. Broadway and off-Broadway biographically based shows introduced Fela to a new generation of listeners. So we became good friends. He invited me out to the African Shrine, which was his club. Uh, in uh, Lagos, outside, just outside Lagos. And I had this fantastic evening, really quite sort of wild experience there. And there was this one song he played, and I've never been able to find a recording of it. I still can't. I seem to remember a Shakara woman, but I've got a song called Shakara and it's nothing like it. It's, it's still great fellow music. That is my favorite song. But when I heard it, due to the circumstances of the evening, which was so kind of, I mean, you were right in the depths of Africa here. And it was very intense. But when this music broke, I ended up just weeping. It's like one of the most amazing musical moments of my life because the band was unbelievable. I have purchased 10 of Fela's albums since first discovering him, and they are all spectacular. 
I can highly recommend Live with Ginger Baker and Open and Close, both from 1971, Aphrodisiac and Gentleman from 1973, and Zombie from 1977 as excellent points of entry for exploration. I am excited by the fact that I still haven't even heard over half of his recordings and will be obsessing on the man and his music for years to come. Thank you for listening to Eclectic Obsessions. If you like what you've heard, please download past episodes and subscribe on iTunes for future releases. You can follow the show on Facebook at Eclectic Obsessions, on Twitter at Eclectic Obsess One, on Instagram at Eclectic Obsessions Podcast, and on YouTube at Eclectic Obsessions. I'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to email the show at ecobpod at gmail.com. We'll be back in one month's time with a new Eclectic Obsession.